previously on the Soundless Citadel. The apparition is going to say, You will always be in chains. There's no escape for you. You'll die here, just like the Emperor. You'll pay for that. If you're going to fight anybody, it's going to be me. My first victim. And here you will die, amongst the worms and the rats, where there is no light and there is only darkness. The spectral, melting form of a weird-looking Methuselah with me, little mouse. And Methuselah just falls unconscious as the thing just dissipates into almost like a little smoke cloud. I'm sorry. I can't heal him. Seeker's gonna drop to the floor, and they're gonna kind of, like, pull Methuselah into their arms. You're alone in the world, holding a friend. The first person you have ever seen die in front of your eyes. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? It is a complete darkness outside. Not even the light of the sky is allowed to perceive your surrounding. All that you know is the wind lightly brushing against your skin and the mere touch of the breeze cold winter breeze is enough to make your bruises cause pain gravity seems to take hold of your left leg by sheer force of luck you're able to pin yourself against the hard and very rough bark of the oak tree that was just beside you. You catch your breath. How do you look right now, Methuselah? As Methuselah braces themselves, exhausted, not knowing where they are, just trying to escape with the only thought on their mind of, I need to get to Chrysantha, I need to get the cure, nothing else matters. As they sort of raise their arm to brace themselves against the tree, you can see that there is no hand. It is just the fresh wound on their arm. And they stop and they breathe and they have like a hood 
over their head, and Yorick, the friend that has been with them since they left Fool's Fortune, is not with them at all. So they stop and brace themselves, and Methuselah looks up, and from their hood you can see this white hair that falls down a little bit, but it's choppy and ragged as if it had been pulled out or sort of cut off and the chrysanthemums that once filled their hair is not there anymore there's not a single flower blooming and they raise their head to look at where they are try to gain some sense of direction and you can see their face now they're in this pale dark elf with these red eyes and their face is very bruised but you can see on the right side of their face that the skin has been flayed off almost in a purposeful, terrible way. And in their mind, all they're thinking is just, I need to go home. I need to find her. I have to go. They could be, they could be chasing me still. I, I need to go now. The winter breeze picks up speed from the north, and as it soars past brush and branches, it makes the leaves that are barely hanging on the treetops to make a wail of their own. Of course, this is a natural occurrence for the time and for the location, but in Methuselah's mind, that sound resembles more like the sound of laughter, of scorn, and of malice that it's clearly chasing them. You stumble a little bit forward. In your mind, you pick up the speed and try to leave the area as fast as you can. But in reality, they're barely moving, if at all. Stumbling is a more accurate depiction as their strength slowly leaving their body. Then there is the moment of fall where the ground meets Methuselah. It takes a few moments for them to realize that they have fallen. The moment of desperation is all that keeps them moving. Looking to the sides, it's hard to see. Even your dark vision, it's being obscured by the bruises on your face. And you spot it, just a few feet away from you. It seems to be some sort of cave entrance, no bigger than four feet tall. It's simply an escape route. You crawl your way towards it. Through the pain, you're able to finally climb into the hole and fall what seems to be an eternity. But finally you land on the rough ground. You take a few moments to compose yourself again. What do you do? Can I look around and try to perceive anything in this darkness? With difficulty, you look around and only one thing stands out to you. A standing mirror. It stays upwards, observing you. There is no reflection on it though. It is just darkness. Half stumbling, half falling. Somehow you're able to prop yourself upwards. And with it, you're actually closer to the mirror now. I described it. The inside is pitch black. But it's still capable to reflect as your mirror image appears from the darkness, mimicking your every motion, your hard breathing, your swaying. You see a gaunt image of yourself. Your pale skin, common to a dark elf, is now sunk. It's more grayish. The hair is no longer white, but 
as dark as the background of this mirror. And your eyes, it's no longer red, but what stares back, it's vibrant green. So as you approach it, it does so as well. As I'm stumbling, I sort of accidentally kick a rock. The little pebble that you propped forward launches itself towards the surface of the mirror. It hits it, it returns. But your mind must be playing tricks on you because you could swear for a split second that the stone did not return based on impact of the mirror. Instead, you could swear that the stone went through and at the same second, either the same stone or one very similar to it returned with small ripples emanating from the area. I imagine that now that I'm inside this cave, I can still hear the wind howling. And in my mind, that is still the unfortunate people that I met on the road in my head. So I'm going to get a little panicked and desperate, and I'm going to walk towards the mirror and try to reach out to it. You get close to the mirror through intuition. You reach out with what once was your hand, and so does the figure reach out with its own bloody stump and its very last second before you touch the surface of this dark mirror a glowing spectral hand emanates grasps onto your wrist and then the rest is a swirl as you are being forced into the mirror and then you hear wailing there's no longer the trees though and then you feel Tightness? As if someone was compressing your face? Very, very slowly you realize that a furred tabatsi is clutching onto you and crying and crying and begging for forgiveness. It takes a few seconds, but you then remember that it's Seeker that is baby ugly crying bawling. At first, I'm belittled, jolted by a flash of my memories returning. But I, I, I kind of realize it's my friend who's holding me. And I feel this well of emotion as I see my friend crying. And I snake my arm around Seeker and start hugging them back. And I also start crying. <laughs> what? 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 what, what? Methuselah? What's going on? Why are we crying? I don't know I, what's going on. I, I, I thought I thought you were dead. I, dead? I, I'm not dead. I, I'm I'm very much. What happened? Uh, you you fought a dragon and you won again. I mean, this is the first time I've seen you fight a dragon. But wow, are, are you all right, Seeker? I I'm I'm a lot better knowing that. You're alive, Methuselah. I, you really had me worried there. What are both of their expressions right now? Seeker is definitely still feeling panicked. The panic is definitely evident on their face, but at the same time, there is joy coming through that panic because, hey, Methuselah is okay, and Erky was wrong. Either of you look towards Erky, and what you see is the small figure completely out of color as they are st 
stunned to see Methuselah moving again. Methuselah doesn't quite remember fighting a dragon or anything that happened. They just remember coming back into consciousness, sort of realize, oh, I think I'm passed out. So they're going to look at their friends and they're going to pull away from Seeker a bit. They're going to remember the arrow still stuck in their back, I think it was. They're gonna grab it, yank it out. Wait a second, remembering that they should feel pain and go, oh, ouch, that was terrible. The worst pain that I've ever experienced. Oh my, this, this arrow is quite the handiwork. It seems that this tip is poisoned sort of concoction that put me into a death-like sleep. This might be your best one yet. <laughs> this might be your best lie yet. I don't think Seeker even wants to incite that. They don't think that Methuselah is lying. They're just so happy to have their friend back. For Erky? <laughs> you need a deception check, please. Can I get advantage? Because that was a good lie. <laughs> sure. 16. Erky? slowly raises their head and then lets it fall slowly again as if it was a half scared half credulous nod of affirmation uh seeker uh you know what that does seem like about right but regardless that I might have been mistaken on my analysis of our uh, friend Methuselah here. A poison like that would be very demanding. Yeah, uh, still very effective. So Methuselah would be best to rest. For a few more moments. Oh no, I'm fine, my no, friend. No, you're not. I'm fine. I swear by Lita, you need to rest. But I am concerned for our other companions. Could you please check the door and see if they are on their way? There are still goblins out there. I'll stay here with Methuselah. To make sure they are okay. I I would prefer if I stayed here with Methuselah. Well, they're one of my closest friends, and while I do hope that Mortis and Thorn are doing quite all right, I'd I'd prefer to keep an eye on Methuselah. I would very much like for you to check on your friends. Maybe I could go check on them. No, I don't mind. No. Uh, uh, well, uh, Methuselah, do you want me to go? No, I, I want you to stay. I don't mind the company. Maybe you could go, Erky, if you're so, uh, curious about what happened to him. Where, where is Mortis and Thorn? Oh, they went running. Apparently, your goblin friend just decided to run away in the sheer sight of the dragon. So, you know, I would be more concerned that they would be running away not paying attention and possibly falling on pits 
Well, perhaps we could all go and see if they're all right. I am very worried about Thorn. Like I said, a poison like that, it's very dangerous. You might not be able to move at all. Or worse, if you make your blood pump more, it may activate the poison again. And then you may go fall into a death like sleep. Do you want him to roll intimidation? Because I feel like yes. he should. You're like, I'm intimidated. Arky, uh, we, I think, I think we run our party based off of a uh, majority vote. And me <laughs> and Methuselah are both on the side that I should stay here and you should go. And that's kind of two against one. What do I do to contest uh, intimidation? I would say another intimidation because <laughs> with, with disadvantage. Sure. Natural one. Natural one. I'm terrified. Get your bardic inspiration. My bones are shaking. Methuselah is gonna crumble inward on themselves. They don't have a shell like Mortis, but I imagine they crumble up at this gnome that is like intimidating them and then they're gonna just slowly crank their head towards seeker and be like oh you should go and see if uh, if thorn and mortis are okay i'll be fine here and seeker's kind of gonna like squint a little bit and look at methuselah all right if you're sure i, c I can do that if that's what you really want yes i'm very sure very very sure I'll be fine here. I need, I do need my rest. Don't want this poison to start acting up again. All right, okay. You, you get your rest, okay, Methuselah? Do you want, do you want to borrow my cloak? Oh, I'm all right, but thank you. Okay, and as they leave, they're turned to Erky and point down at him. And if I find out that you're being mean to my friend while I'm gone, you're not coming with us. And then they're gonna go. Erky? is trying to act as cool as possible, but they do not take their eyes away from Methuselah. Can I say that Methuselah clutches Yorick now? He's like, I have a hurdy-gurdy and I'm not afraid to use it. So whatever you're planning to do, just be prepared because Yorick is terrifying. I know that Yorick did die in a duel, but... If he were alive, he would have done horrible things in that duel. I don't know what, but it would have been horrible. And how did you die? Oh, oh I'm not dead. I'm just... Yeah, I'll cut you off <laughs> right here. I am not dumb. I have seen my fair share of death, and I have healed people at a brink to death. I know a corpse when I inspect it. Well, I, I am not a corpse currently. Currently, the best definition for you right now, friend. Yes, friend. Is more like undead. I suppose that's the correct terminology. I haven't really met others like me ever, I, other than those skeletons. But I have a lot more than bones slightly yes i've skin and that's what i would be afraid of and he slowly starts to hold on to his pendant now tell me 
What are you? I don't know what I am. I don't even remember dying. Really. Look, I do not understand this. He gestures towards all of you. But either you are the most intricate and deceitful zombie I have ever met. Well, that's rather rude. I don't like being called a zombie. I'm a, I'm a dark elf still. Yeah, you were a dark elf once. No, you can't lie to me anymore. I was wondering why you were just walking around with an arrow on your back. I thought it was because you were trying to avoid the bleeding or what people in the in my community would call a hemorrhage, but clearly it was because you just forgot it there. I honestly didn't even feel it go in. Okay, proving my point. Now, I need to understand this, or I have to destroy you. I kind of clutch Yorick like even closer to me. What is your reason to be here? Do you want to betray those companions of yours? What and why? Why would you think that I would want to betray my friends? You see, every single undead I have met, which is not a short list, and the undead that I have read and studied about are not like you. So I am just trying to understand what's going on here. Well, I'm here to get the apple of virtue, or at least a slice of it, uh, for my my muse. She's sick, you know, and I'm just here for the apple. That's about it. I'm not here to betray anyone or, or hurt anyone. After a few moments of pondering, feels like an eternity, Erky finally talks again. All right, then. I don't know 100%. If you're lying to me or not, or even if your intentions are true or not. So I'm gonna ask you to make a deal with me. All right, my friend. My deal is all you have to do is to not attack or hurt any of your companions or me. If you do that, I will not destroy you. And in exchange, do you want to understand what's truly going on. Methuselah looks at Erky like very, very confused. They look themselves over like, you really think that I could hurt anyone? Even I know that I'm very small, unassuming. And I'm gonna be like, all right, uh, I suppose that's a deal that we can have. I'd never do any sort of harm to my friends, even strangers. Most people I have no Quarms against. It takes a few other seconds just to look at you. It's clear that he's trying to see if you're lying to him or not. But in the end, he just nods slowly and he goes, We'll see. Just know that I'll be watching you. Now, can you stand up? I stand up. Okay. I, against my better judgment, I need to ask. Would my healing spell even work on you? Like, it's supposed to heal living things, but... Well, I suppose if you're curious, healing 
magic does work on me in a weird way. I, I, I don't know why. I don't really know much about what I am now, but it does work. And how does it feel? A small conversation about random questions starts to emerge into a conversation. Mortis, you're slowly walking back, pretty much halfway, when Seeker appears on the top of the platform, and you're able to see each other with the dim light of the torch that you are holding. Uh, you see Mortis in the light. He has a very sort of somber look on his face, but then, like, as you lock eyes with him, he just kind of forces a smile. Ah, Seeker, I'm glad to see you're, you're all right. How, uh, how's Methuselah? Uh, they're all right. Um, Arky wanted to, to talk to them, and I I didn't want to go, but, you know, I, we were kind of overruled, and for a, I don't know, whatever Erky is, a weird-looking halfling, a very intimidating. <sighs> don't go too hard on him. He's, he's a healer by trade. I'm sure he simply wanted to check over Methuselah, make sure... Everything's all right. I prefer you. Well, I do my best. He sort of like lowers his voice to a whisper. Thorn is on board. And then he gently pats his shell. He just needs a bit of time, I think. When you pat the shell, you just hear like a very low. Well, well, yeah, I, I understand that. He just lost a really good friend and I kind of feel bad. Also, I, I know this is probably going to sound really mean, but if something bad was going to happen to somebody. I'm I'm glad it wasn't Thorn. I really like him. He's a good little goblin and he's got a good heart. Uh, Mortis's smile widens a little bit. Yes, uh, our dear Thorn has been through quite a lot on this adventure, but uh, with all the chaos over, we should regroup and make sure that everything's all right. Then you give Thorn the advice to never fight a dragon and lose, because I, I think he won, technically, because you can't really lose a fight against a dragon if you run away. <laughs> I suppose you're right about that, but... In Thorn's defense, Thorn did take my advice. Thorn didn't fight the dragon. Uh, Methuselah and I took care of that, which, if I do say so myself, I think we did rather well. Though I was a bit weirded out by whatever was going on with Methuselah. I didn't, it didn't seem pertinent to ask, but the whole shadow thing, uh, I suppose we'll bring that up when we get back. In the meantime that this conversation takes place, Thorn feels a presence. You feel as if you were being cradled by a massive furred animal. The smile slowly creeps up. Thorn probably shudders a little bit because he's it's an unexpected sensation. And then he rummages into his bag and gets his book to take a look at it. One may be sad, but do not fret. I'm here to make you feel best. Distract yourself with a little quest. And bring me something that shines. And then you have an instinct to turn to the next page. On the back of the page that appeared, the little message says, When you find said shiny object, just make sure to swallow it fast. Thorn nods to himself as that's his way of answering. And then he'll close the book. And he'll stay in the shell for now. The smile diminishes back to you having control of your lips again. 
but the warmth and the sensation of being surrounded by fur does not. It's almost comforting. Finally, the door towards the trophy room opens as slowly both Erky and Methuselah sees the rest of their friends coming in. You guys see Erky and Methuselah still at a good distance from each other. Seeker, the tension that you felt before when you left the room no longer permeates. Hi, Methuselah. Oh, yes, friends, hello. Methuselah's gonna shuffle over to you guys and trying to get away from Erky, who's probably asked a great deal of questions that Methuselah's like, I don't know, I haven't really thought about this. I just kind of exist. W was he nice to you? Oh, yes, very nice. We had a lovely conversation about poison. Well, that sounds very, very riveting. I'm glad that he'd heeded my warning. So, is, is everything all right? Are you all right, Mortis? I, I can't quite remember what happened back there, so... Well, as soon as the battle with that dragon kicked off, you, you seemed to go into some sort of trance. You were using this dark power. It was, was quite amazing, really. You, you really helped me bring that monster down. F fight with the dragon yes that one and they gestures over to where he sort of shoved the dragon off of him earlier methuselah looks over at the dragon and is like oh my that is strange it seems i had a lapse of memory i, I can't really remember anything before meepo and thorn were running and there was the dark warden and it was really strange. Where is Meepo? Uh, well, Meepo would be behind that table. I don't recommend looking if you're not prepared for, uh, well, carnage. I'm, I'm afraid it's true. Uh, our little friend has met with an unfortunate fate. He seemed to trust the dragon, but it lashed out and, well, killed him. Oh my, that's terrible. I suppose we... We should say our goodbyes to Meepo. It would be best. Yeah, we should make sure that wherever his afterlife is, that he arrives there comfortably. I think that he had a really good heart, and I'm I'm gonna miss him. We should take his body back to Cobalt's. I don't think it would be, or at least I wouldn't want to be left out here away from family. Meepo had family back there who don't know what happened. I feel like we should do something so that Meepo doesn't have to rest here alone. I, I would sincerely agree. Meepo has earned our respect, and if he is going to be laid to rest, it should be in the sight of his family. Yes, I wouldn't want the people that Meepo cared about to not know what happened to him. I, th I think it is best. I know that's how I would feel if I were to be lost. I want to be returned home. Morris is going to walk over to Ergie and be like, ah, would you mind holding on to the body if you could? And then he sort of leans his head in so that Thorn could can't hear him. My friend was a bit traumatized by the loss, and I think it best if he stays with me and I keep a bit of distance from the body, if you understand. Erky looks at the turtle and he goes, I don't know what you're asking me. The little kobold was as big as I was. Do you want me to carry him around? If it's not too much of a burden, if if so, then I can ask someone else. I, I only thought to ask you because, well, you're a healer by trade and I know that healers deal with a lot of death and disturbing situations. Well, you're correct on some of those statements. Look, I may ask my goddess to keep the body preserved. I 
think it would be best for us to just, you know, maybe put a tarp on top of it and on the way back we bring it to the cobalt. That's the best that I can do. I suppose. Mephuselah. What is your passive insight? 14. What is everybody else's passive insight? Thorns is only 9. 13. 15. Mephuselah, you're the only one that notices that when Erky says he doesn't think it's a good idea to just keep bringing my body around, inadvertently looks at you for a few seconds and then <laughs> looks away. Okay, look, what about we rest first? I'll make my prayer so that the late Meepo is uh, protected. And after we rest a bit, I feel like we are all tired and tense. We can all figure it out what to do later. I suppose that's fair. Uh, this room is certainly bigger than the previous one, so it should be easier to secure. I'm sorry, do we really, really want to sleep in a room with a dead dragon in it? I've slept in much worse, so this is actually somewhat of an upgrade to some of the places that I've slept. You know, Methuselah, I say this with all the love in my heart, but I'm honestly not surprised that you have slept in worse given what I know about you, and as long as you are comfortable in here, we'll be fine. On the subject of the dragon, I assume that nobody needs anything from it. It's, its presence isn't really important right now. I want some of its scales. Well, it's a fair trophy, I'd say. And I hold out my coat and I'm like, I did get this from Velikaris. Well, the skin is not Velikaris, it's actually the Dark Warden. My point being, uh, once we take whatever trophies we need and I can remove it from this room so that we can rest more peacefully. Erky just can't resist and he goes, Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Did you say that you got that coat from a goddess? Well, she gave me the skin of the dragon. I think she meant it as more of like, share this to your people. The rebellion is starting, but you know, I'm sort of a traveler. I don't really have people to share. I have songs, so I did share her song around. The dragon. Conic Rebellion. Yes. Right. Where the Dragonborn rose against their lord deities, the dragons of yore. Yes, the one that's, you know, started very recently, but also it seemed to be finished rather quickly. The three of you see Erky physically react to that. He was being fed up with stress that builds slowly until he just throws his arms up in the air and goes, Fine, fine, yep, you, yep, you got that, yep, you, you sang her songs, you, you got that from her, Valakaris. He starts, he just turns around and continues to walk towards the table where the body of late Meepo is. As he continues on, like, yeah, no, it's true, that makes sense, you know, completely. Mikey he has yeah, some yeah, things yeah, that yeah, I think he needs to work through. Poor thing, I think he's just a bit cranky, probably. You know, he's been, he was locked in a cage for a while, and then we threw him into that combat. It was quite an affair. I, I think he just needs to sleep it off. Yes, he needs, he needs some rest and probably some food. He needs to learn the value of play. Since we're taking a rest, perhaps we should, you know, figure out who's going to take watch. I can take the first watch uh, with whoever wants. I, I need to sit for a moment and just collect my thoughts. I could uh, take a watch with you, as sleep doesn't come very easily. I could take a watch with you as well, Methuselah, if you'd like. Certainly. Morris is going to turn his head into his shell like he tends to do. Thorn, uh, 
I know you're going through a lot right now, but I I think it best that you sleep for a bit. In the darkness of the shell, all you see is eyes and teeth. He doesn't really react. Normally, he would humor you a little bit. You just see a look of pure neutrality on his face. He looks so tired, just emotionally. Thorn probably growls quietly. If you want to sleep in the shell, you're more than welcome, or I can prepare your bedroll for you. Thorn swipes at you with, like, his little claws. So be it. And then he just turns his head back so he's facing forward. Thorn crawls out the back of his shell to get to the ground. After a small flash of soft scion light from behind the table, Erky comes back and he goes, Alright, so, uh, who's taking the watches? And, uh... I'm willing to stay up there. Mortis and I are going to take the first watch, and then Seeker and I are going to take the second watch. And I think we'll be good with just the two watches. I mean, unless you'd like to join a watch, but you, you can get your sleep. You look very tired, and you have been through a lot. I think you need sleep. All right, then. I guess we'll prepare to sleep, then. And he slowly makes his way. While this is happening, after Thorin climbs out of Mortis' shell, on all fours, he crawls behind the table where Meepo is, just quietly. Behind the table, there is what seems to be some sort of tapestry. It must have fallen at some point. Clearly, Erky placed it on top of Meepo. Can Thorin crawl under the tapestry? Stuffy it is inside. But as you open up the tapestry, you do see a shiny object on the belt of Meepo. It seems to be some sort of circlet, but it's almost like a broken circlet because it has a little opening on one of the ends. Seems handcrafted, made of some sort of metal, twisted together. Meepo never, never pointed out but it is the first shiny thing you have seen. Thorn will take it. How big is it? It should be big enough for Thorn to put it on their wrist. I think Thorn is too sad and sentimental. The part of him that is still the old Thorn, so to speak. So he takes it and instead of putting it in his mouth and trying to swallow it, he's gonna kind of disobey Marquis and put this little golden hoop around his wrist. And then he honestly kind of just curls up beside Meepo. As you place yourself beside your most recent friend, just before you go to sleep, you feel another set of arms holding you from behind. You know the feeling of your late father's arms as he holds you. Do not worry, child. Although I died painfully, I'm still here with you. And I'll always be here with you. Thorn gets drowsy, but detrimental to his health. I honestly don't think he gets a wink of actual sleep. He's exhausted, but the thoughts are just going a million miles per hour in his head and he can't calm them down enough to sleep. So instead, he spends a lot of the night talking to Meepo in a very quiet voice. He talks to him and waits as if Meepo's responding and then he keeps going. Nothing replies back. Although you're focused on Meepo, the arms of your dad never leaves you. Meanwhile, on the outside, you guys position yourselves to rest. Seeker is gonna try and 
be kind of close to Methuselah, but not like too, too close. They're gonna set down their bedroll. They're gonna get Faith's blanket from their bag and they're gonna kind of drift off to have a little cat nap, kind of trying to send words of encouragement to Faith. She can hold on, that she can be strong and that they'll see her soon. Meanwhile, people were settling down. It takes a little bit longer to Erky to settle down. He does sit beside you, Mortis. Quietly, he kind of starts a small conversation to you. Tell me if I'm wrong. But um, you're a member of the Ashen Cloak, right? I am indeed, yes. Right. How long have you been with the Order? Well, to be honest, I've been with the Order of Shi since I was probably a teenager. Uh, I joined soon after. My father passed. I was looking for answers and the doctrine of she appealed to me. But in, in terms of the Order of the Wandering Cloaks, I only joined that semi recently. I suppose it was my way of justifying traveling away from Lestri. I didn't want to feel like I was abandoning my post. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, you have not seen many action as an Ashen Cloak yet, have you? I was a warrior for most of my life, protecting the lands around Lestri, but in truth, yes. In travel, I, I haven't come up against many unique challenges until this quest. Okay, no, okay, that makes more sense now. How was the training? Was, um, was it very detailed? Um... I mean, you, I don't want to judge, but you seem to be a very wise turtle who has seen a lot through their ears. Have you started to maybe forget a few things or um, does it seem like some moments are easier to remember than others or uh, it's a little bit more difficult to focus at some times? Well, in terms of the Order of Shi, a lot of my training in that regard was self-taught, mostly from books and stuff, but I did speak briefly with some of the acolytes of Shi. They helped guide me on my path. But in terms of my warrior's training, well, uh, from an early age, I was trained by order called the Tension Dynasty in the Tortal community back in Lestria. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Uh, essentially, once I showed enough discipline and strength, I trained to be a Kosho, which is a sort of apprentice of a great warrior. I served many masters in my days of training. There was Kerr the Merciless, Jacko the Sage, and Daima the Guardian. Eventually, after I proved my strength over many years, I was blessed as a samurai of the Order. And I gotta say, your skills, martial skills, are something to behold. I would be lying if I didn't say I have not really seen someone that powerful, that masterful. Um, but you know, I could show you some books. It could help with your training. Lyrta is all about knowledge, so uh, sharing knowledge could be something that you could benefit from, and uh, I would be willing. But after all this... Well, I, I appreciate the compliment on my fighting skills. I'm, in truth, I'm just an old man who knows how to swing a sword around, but I do my best, and in terms of knowledge, I'm always willing to expand what I know. In fact, during my days defending caravans and such, I actually encountered a, a young acolyte of Lyrta. Seemed like a good lad, a nice little elf fellow. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so happy that our teachings can go beyond our borders. Uh, we're a bit isolated ourselves, so it's not easy for us to feel encouraged to go outside of the safety of our forest. But you know what? I'm glad to hear that 
We're not stuck in old ways. Indeed. I didn't expect to encounter such evils in this place. Sinister dragons and this crazed druid that's running amok. <sighs> At the mention of the druid, Erky notices that there's a noticeable shift in Mortis's facial expression, like he becomes somewhat angrier. The thought of someone using such a blessed form of magic for ill, it angers me. Well, there is a lot of mysteries to this place. Personally, I find a very concerning small aspect that I don't know if you guys have noticed, but um, we barely moved and we are exhausted. Feels like a whole day passed by. And I understand that you guys have spent a few days in here based on how you guys talk to each other. This is not normal. Usually a group of dungeoneers would just enter a dungeon and clear as many rooms as possible and before the day is over they would have returned to their place with whatever they found but the fact that you guys stayed here for much longer there ought to be more related to this place than we actually are aware of don't mind me this is just a hypothesis i i don't have any proof to that Mortis smiles a little bit. I must admit, we're not your average dungeoneers. Uh, to start, our, our quest isn't born of avarice or greed, but rather a sense of urgency. There are people that we're looking for, uh, and it's quite urgent that we find them. It wouldn't be reasonable to leave and come back. We're, we're quite a determined bunch. Headstrong, you might say. You notice Erky then shifting his gaze towards Seeker, and then he goes, oh, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, in that case, I apologize. He clasps a hand on Erky's shoulder. No need to apologize. I actually, I didn't get the opportunity to thank you. Your healing skills are far beyond my own, and you, you helped keep me alive out there when I was fighting that terrible beast. I'm happy to hear. If it is the little that I can do, and if it can make you guys safe, it's all that I could ask for, really. As my wife once said, the greatest magics in this world are those used to help other people. He nods, says thank you, and then he starts to make himself comfortable to go straight to sleep. Meanwhile, Methuselah noticed Seeker being watchful. Methuselah is very intuitive, so he probably figured that out and is going to wait till Seeker goes to sleep. And then Methuselah is going to go over to where Meepo is. And I imagine I see like the tapestry. I'm going to take out seven candles. There's one candle for Seeker, one candle for Mortis, one candle for myself, one candle for Thorn, one candle for Erky, one candle for Meepo, and another candle for Faith. And I like them all in the tradition of Luxair, and I do a prayer asking Luxair to keep Meepo's soul safe as it is far from family. And my prayer is very sad because in a way I feel disconnected from the god that I once worshipped because I don't know if I'm still in Luxor's favor being undead and Luxor is a god of bringing the dead to the afterlife and guiding them to their proper place and their proper journey. In my mind, I sort of consider it as this is a part of Luxair's journey for me, so I'm, I'm here for it, but there's also that little fear in my head. What if I'm not in good graces anymore? But yeah, I still do a little prayer. Before you leave the area, it is as if a small breeze passes by and flickers the lights of the candles. All of them retains their light, but interestingly enough, Meepo's candle flickers more violently. And 
it becomes disconnected as what seems like the wick simply comes out of the candle just the part that is connected with the light and you see the little candle light start to fly in the wind and go to a small crevice in the wall and make its way out you look down on the candle again and the lights are all together and Meepo's light the wick's still there but it is just a small little smoke as if the light had been extinguished but you see this as a good omen you see this as let's say guiding the light of Meepo towards another place as Methuselah is wrapping up his little ritual, he does hear a growl from under the tapestry. Oh, Thorn, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to disturb you. The growl increases. Don't worry. I I'm. I was just finishing here. Are, are you all right? He sees like shuffling under the tapestry as Thorn pokes his head out and he's just baring his teeth and like glaring at Methuselah. Do you want to talk about it? Thorn, you know how cats false charge at someone? They go like, <laughs> he probably does that. Oh my, okay, I, I guess not. And then I'll just shuffle away to go do the watch with Mortis. Thorn slowly slips back under the tapestry. Hello one, hello all. It's Quentin Foote here, Dungeon Master to a very unique live-action fantasy adventure podcast known as The Fables of Latour. Join us every Monday as we explore a completely original world filled with new races, monsters, and magics, all based around the fantasy novel series The Mighty Vendavar. Since we specialize in long-format storytelling and our entire cast are professional actors and artists, you can excitedly tune in weekly to experience the next chapter of our harrowing saga. We can't wait to meet you in the wilds of Latour. Unfortunately, you've reached the end of this episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Gordon from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast, and the world of Nosamundos was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Now take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure. Thank you.